0: Happy Friday, everyone. It's 7 a.m. on this Friday morning, January 20th. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven. I'm Adam Wright, here with you on Covenant Network. Let us begin the day in prayer. We pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins for the intentions of all my relatives and friends and in particular for the intentions of the holy father amen we dedicate all of our thoughts words and actions to the greater glory of god in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen all right, it's Friday. I've got a I've got an agenda for us today, and everything is going to be. It's one of those days where everything's separate and yet everything is interconnected. We are going to be talking about here on the airwaves uh, the power the Blessed Mother has over demons. It's it's a wonderful segment that we're going to be bringing you uh, for our radio listeners, and then also for our radio listeners, we are going to be talking about. Uh, the sacrament of reconciliation, the sacrament of reconciliation. It's a a necessary, necessary sacrament in our lives. More on that in a second. And then also uh, perfect contrition and imperfect contrition with Father Wade Menises. It's something we've talked about in the past, but we need to talk about again. Now, here's why. Yesterday when I ended the show, I, I made an appeal to you that perhaps it's been a while since you have been to the sacrament, you know, and I was sharing the story of my daughter who had hurt herself or been involved in an accident where she got hurt, and that as a father, as a parent, my primary focus was on finding healing for her. It wasn't about being upset, it wasn't about punishment. The first thing first was to figure out what happened and how to heal it. Uh, there were temporal consequences for what happened, whether it was her fault or not. She's been in uh, a little bit of pain for the last couple of days. But first was heal. Consequences are going to be consequences. But here's the thing. If we don't go to the divine physician, we can't be healed of our sins. And do they matter? Oh, yes, they do. Oh, yes, they do. And I had a great conversation with someone yesterday, um, and, and sometimes I feel like we take this too lightly. So today we're going to really dive deep into this. And if it's been a while I, since you've been to the sacrament, I encourage you to stay tuned with us today. Um, we, we love you, and we share this because we want you to be a saint. We want you to get to heaven so stay tuned for that today. We're going to get to all of that, but first, let's go to Mike Roberts for today's weather in Saint of the Day.
1: Today is the feast day of Saint Sebastian, who was a martyr, and Saint Pope Fabian, who was also a martyr. Born into Roman nobility near the start of the third century, Fabian developed a desire to know the Lord, became a Christian, and then a priest. After the death of Pope Antares, Fabian came into Rome from the countryside to help in the selection of the new pope. No one was thinking about Fabian as the names were being considered, but during the process, a dove appeared, descended on his head, and this was taken as a sign that he was to be elected the next pope, and he was. During his reign, there was a break in the Roman persecution of Christians, which allowed Fabian to bring back the bodies of Pope Pontian and Antipope Hippolytus, both of whom had been exiled to the island of Sardinia, where they died doing hard labor in the mines. He also sent seven bishops to evangelize in what is now France, Germany, Luxembourg, and Switzerland. And he helped organize the church in Rome. But when Decius became the Roman emperor and the persecution of Christians resumed, all leading Christians were forced to demonstrate their loyalty to Rome by offering incense to Roman gods. Fabian was one of the first Christians ordered to do this, and when he refused, he was arrested. He died in Roman prison on this day in 250. St. Pope Fabian, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day
2: can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network
0: to see all our podcasts. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. Today we are grateful to speak with Father Wade Menezes. Father Wade is a member of the Fathers of Mercy, a missionary preaching religious congregation based in Auburn, Kentucky. In addition to his work with the order, Father is a contributing author for several Catholic publications. He has authored two books. Is the host of EWTN Global Catholic Radio's Open Line Tuesday, which airs weekly at 2 p.m right here on Covenant Network. Father, so good to have you with us today.
2: Thank you, Adam, for this opportunity. It's glad to be with you.
0: Wonderful. Father, we are talking today about repentance. We are talking about trying to free ourselves from sin. We've long been taught in our formation, especially regarding the the Sacrament of Reconciliation, that we should aspire toward Perfect Contrition. So two questions right off the bat. What is perfect contrition, and how can we focus our prayer lives so that we would grow towards this goal?
2: Okay, great question. To talk about perfect contrition, there's obviously such a thing as imperfect contrition. And the distinction between the two uh, regarding contrition is a distinction uh, regarding why the person is sorry for their sins. Uh, We say that perfect contrition is when one is sorry for their sins, most of all because they have offended God, who is all good and deserving of all of one's love. Think of the traditional version there of the act of contrition. Um, But if one is sorry for their sins and detests them only for human motives, for example, because one dreads the loss of heaven and the pains of hell— or, say, because you've been asked to be a godparent and the rules require you to be in good standing with the Church, this would be imperfect contrition, also known as attrition. Uh, The great news here, however, Adam, is that uh, Holy Mother Church considers imperfect contrition, that is, a fear of divine justice, even if mixed with human motives, uh, to be a sufficient basis for sorrow for the sacrament of confession. In other words, one does not need only perfect contrition for the confession to be valid. Okay, uh, St. Peter Damien, great, great uh, church father, says this. He says, uh, where there is justice as well as fear, adversity will surely test the spirit. But it is not the torment of a slave, rather it is the discipline of a child by its parent. What he's telling us there is the distinction between a servile fear the fear that a a subordinate has uh, uh, from a a superior, we could say, a fear of punishment, where a filial fear is the fear of a child who doesn't want to disappoint the parent. Why? Precisely because he knows the parent loves him. In other words, filial fear has nothing to do with the fear of punishment like servile fear does. So this is primarily the distinction between perfect contrition and imperfect contrition. Again, that traditional act of contrition, right? That's from our favorite Catholic prayer book. Uh, Those prayers found at the back of the Baltimore Catechism, if if we can remember the Baltimore Catechism. Uh, And I detest all my sins because I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell. Imperfect contrition. But most of all, I detest my sins because they have offended you, my God who art all good and deserving of all of my love. Perfect contrition. Okay? Either one suffices for the sacrament of penance, but it's better to have the perfect contrition on a continuum in one's life. Which brings me to the answer to the second part of your question. How do we arrive at that, where the perfect contrition is normative? It's the norm in the person's life. Well, it's more of a psychological reality, that we can attain and arrive at in a variety of ways. For example, getting into the habit of making that morning offering right when we get up. I love the practice of husbands and wives making a morning offering together when they get up in the morning. Uh, or, or an individual making the, the, the morning offering, say in honor of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary, where you are clearly dedicating your entire day to God because you want all to be for Him. Your prayer, your work, your recreation—all for God that day. And and so, so the perfect contrition—you you don't want to offend Him. You want everything to be done to please Him. You everything you do, your joys, your sorrows, your sufferings—again, like the traditional morning offering tells us—you want to offer in reparation for sins and blasphemies against His Sacred Heart. Well, clearly, this is a way of arriving uh, at, at a psychological state on a on a normative level, on a continuum, if you will, to have and want to have that perfect contrition, where you detest all evils, your own evils that you commit, and the evils of the world, even those that are beyond your control. You you detest all of them, because they've offended God. That's the goal we want to arrive at.
0: That is... A great goal, a great goal for us, and and very practical advice. So thank you for that. Father, you've somewhat proactively answered the next question that I was going to ask you. I have myself and several friends that I've spoken with through the course of the years, uh, I've worked in ministry, come to this, this wrestling from time to time where I fall into this trap, I have sinned. And I am sorry for my sin, especially when it's a mortal sin. With that imperfect contrition, I am now afraid that if I get hit by a bus today, um, you know, perhaps it's storming and I have to drive. Um, I, I have that fear. What what would happen if I died today? And and that fear is what drives me to get to the sacrament of reconciliation. But one of the lies that I'm tempted to to fall into, and I know this has been a struggle for some of my friends, and and surely for some of our listeners is this trap that, you know, I might as well just give up because it seems like I'm bringing the same sins over and over to confession. And if I really loved God, if I had that perfect contrition, maybe I wouldn't struggle with this sin so much, and, and yet it seems like I keep going over and over again because, to the sacrament because of imperfect contrition, because I do fear the loss of hell. What encouragement would you offer me or our listeners who find themselves in that state?
2: Okay, great, great series of questions. First of all, only one thing sends a person to hell by their own doing. I say by their own doing, of course, because it's solemn church teaching that God sends no one to hell. If a soul goes to hell to be reunited with their body in hell at the time of the second coming of Christ, it's through their own doing. And only one thing, period, one thing, one thing, period, I want to emphasize that sends a person by their own doing to hell. What is it? It's purposeful, willful, unrepentant mortal sin. Purposeful, willful, unrepentant mortal sin. How many mortal sins, Father Wade? Twenty seven, six, three hundred and two? No, just one. Because that one willful purposeful, unrepentant, mortal sin, cast you off from your supernatural relationship with God, and mind you, your supernatural relationship with others. So other than that, as long as we are willing to confess it and take it to the sacrament of penance, we should not fear the fires of hell, and instead focus on that living of the perfect contrition, which is more of a psychological state, where we we detest all evil because it has offended God, okay? Uh, By the way, it's also okay to still hang on to that imperfect contrition. It's human, and it's okay to dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell. I want to make that clear. We should never lose sight truly of the reality of wanting to have an imperfect contrition as well, although the perfect contrition is more just that. It's more perfect, because God is first and ourselves are second. Where if you have only imperfect contrition, you put yourself first and God second, and we don't want that. That said, an imperfect contrition can also be a healthy thing. What is a mortal sin? It's constitutive of three elements. Grave matter, done with fullness of knowledge, and done with deliberate consent of your will. Grave matter, meaning what? It contravenes God's moral law, the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, and seriously so. So grave matter. Number two, it's done with fullness of knowledge. In other words, you have full knowledge that it contravenes God's moral law, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, and seriously so. And number three, the third element, you do it with deliberate consent of your will anyway. In other words, you carry out the action anyway. Again, grave matter, fullness of knowledge, and done with deliberate consent of your will. If any one or two of those three elements are missing, Adam, you've committed a venial sin. Okay, So if all three are present and you've committed a mortal sin, don't go scrupulous on God. Don't go scrupulous on neighbor. Don't go scrupulous on self. What does the church teach about that? She teaches, number one, thank God you have a well-enough informed conscience that you know you've committed a mortal sin with all three elements present. That's a great thing. That's what sets human persons apart from the rest of the animal-mammal kingdom. We have rationality, intellect, and freedom to choose. So you have the rationality, the intellect, that has told you, I've committed a mortal sin. All three elements have been present in this action I've carried out. Grave matter, fullness of knowledge, and done with deliberate consent. I choose now to confess it. I choose now to go to confession, to confess it. Amen to that. That's a great thing. Those things should keep you away from scrupulosity, and the Church teaches, in fact, it's in canon law, should one realize they've committed a mortal sin, again, with all three elements present, because that's what constitutes a mortal sin, you are duty-bound to get to confession as soon as is reasonably possible. For most people, that as soon as reasonably possible, quote-unquote, is going to be the forthcoming Saturday regular confession times at their local parish. Now, if they want, they can call their pastor and make a particular appointment uh, or a private individual appointment midweek on a Wednesday. That's fine. That's noble. That's heroic. That's a great thing to do. But most people, because of their 40- to 50-hour week, what canon law describes as getting to confession as soon as is reasonably possible is going to be the regular forthcoming Saturday confession times from 2.30 to 3.30 at your local Anytown Parish, USA, okay? There is something else we need to do, though, and that is as soon as you've recognized you've made that mortal sin, you've committed that mortal sin, make an act of perfect contrition. Pray the traditional act of contrition that, that has in it, by way of its wording, as I said earlier, both the imperfect and the perfect desire to want to be reconciled with God. It it words both the imperfect contrition and the perfect contrition. So make that act of contrition as soon as you can, well, as soon as you've committed the mortal sin, and then get to confession as soon as is reasonably possible. The Church doesn't want scrupulous souls. The Blessed Trinity doesn't want scrupulous souls. The Blessed Mother and the Saints, your guardian angel, don't want scrupulous souls. There's only one entity that wants a scrupulous soul. Who is that?
0: I have a good idea what the answer to this is. Go ahead and say it. I want to say it's the devil.
2: It's the devil, Adam. That's right. It's the devil. I don't mean the devil, Adam. I mean, it's the devil, (laughs) comma, Adam,
0: okay? Well, that's all right. Every Lent we come to the cycle of readings and we hear about the happy fault of Adam. I used to be a church music director, and everyone would turn and look at me, and I'm like, no, they're not talking about me. At least I don't think so. I I don't think I made an appearance in the sacred scriptures.
2: Adam, our Catholic faith is just so awesome and so joyful to live in. It's so balanced. It leads the person to the fullness of truth, the fullness of joy, the, the fullness of sanctity. Now, I want to I add now to the second part of your second question, that this think, type of thing keeps happening because that one particular thing, whatever it is, keeps leading us to sin. Well, this is a question of detachment, okay? Detachment. And I talk about both the perfect and imperfect contrition in my new book, Overcoming the Evil Within, the Reality of Sin and the Transforming Power of God's Grace and Mercy, and ta-da! I also talk about, Detachment and the importance of detachment. St. Thomas Aquinas teaches that detachment is, quote, loving persons, places, and things in the way that God intends us to love them, end quote. That is, for their genuine goodness, which is always a reflection of God's own goodness in our life. Detachment, St. Thomas says, is, quote, that virtue which frees an individual from any inordinate attachment meaning a disordered attachment, meaning an attachment that's out of order, that frees an individual from any inordinate attachment to another person, place, object, or state of mind. True detachment is not simply a lack of care. Rather, it is a true, authentic liberation from any excessive affection that would hinder one's love and worship of God. So, as Catholics, we love wine. Believe me, I'm Portuguese, I know, okay? We even use wine as matter for the matter in the Eucharist, okay? Jesus' first public miracle involved wine. We love wine. However, if your love of wine becomes five glasses per night when you get home from work, Adam, because that's the only way you can deal with what's an already crumbling marriage, then sorry, uh uh-uh, as Catholics we don't love wine. But we love Alcoholics Anonymous, and we love the 12-step program okay? as catholics we love just anger it's what jesus expressed with the money changers in the temple but as catholics uh uh-uh, uh... we don't love unjust anger you haven't talked to your brother-in-law in two and a half years because he's never returned your chainsaw grow up what happens at the family gatherings like christmas and thanksgiving Whoseever house everybody's gathered at there's fifty to sixty relatives right Everybody tiptoes around you and your brother-in-law because everybody in the family, extended family, everybody knows the two of you haven't talked now for two and a half years. So the two of you are causing the 60 relatives at Thanksgiving or Christmas to tiptoe and to to be on eggs at the family gathering. Both of you need to have a come-to-Jesus meeting and grow up. And you need to give your brother-in-law the chainsaw and go out and buy yourself a new one and heal this rift. Be the bigger man. That's what you need to do. But see, we're very stubborn. We're wounded. resultant of the fall of the original sin, our first parent. Okay? So, there's any types of issues, dependencies, and, and, and uh, uh, sins that infect our lives. And we need to overcome these things. And we overcome them, especially through two of the seven sacraments that can be received frequently. And repetitiously. What two sacraments are those of the seven?
0: Reconciliation and the Eucharist?
2: That's exactly right. Three more of the sacraments, which bring us up to five, can only be received once. That's it. Period. Once. Baptism, confirmation, and holy orders. The last two sacraments, which bring us up to seven total now, can be received repetitiously, meaning again, but not frequently. Not daily if you want them. What are they? Matrimony and the anointing of the sick. So, for example, if your spouse dies, you can marry again, right? Right. And any time you begin to be in danger of death because of sickness or old age, you can receive the anointing of the sick again, right? In fact, those in a persistent illness state, like ongoing cancer, they're an automatic candidate for the anointing of the sick faithfully once a month. Okay, but it wouldn't be received daily. But Eucharist and confession, oh yeah, bring them on. Bring them on. Why? Because these are the two sustaining sacraments. Okay, and our Lord set it up that way for a reason. Not that I want a person to go to daily confession if it's based on scrupulosity. That wouldn't be a healthy thing either. But that said, technically speaking, technically speaking, you can receive confession daily. There's no church discipline law that's against that. Okay, and the the more common thing you see, like in the lives of St. John Paul II and St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, is to go to confession faithfully once a week. Uh, is it because they had mortal sin? I doubt it. I believe they were making devotional confessions, where even venial sins could be confessed, and you still obtain graces from the sacrament. So we want a healthy detachment. Detachment again, Adam is loving persons, places, and things the way God intends us to love them, not in an ordinate way, in an inordinate way, a way that's out of order. Okay. Uh, do I love my golf game too much to the point that it takes me away from my wife and kids on weekends? If I love my golf game that much, even though there's nothing intrinsically evil about golf, okay, if I love golf that much that automatically every single weekend it takes me away from my wife and kids, there's a problem. We could even call it an addictive behavior. okay? So we need to have a healthy attachment to golf. We need to have a healthy detachment from God.
0: So there you have it. There we have it. You know, Father, I'm so glad you put it that way, because I read all of the time, you know, an indulgence is available, a plenary indulgence is available, but it requires that detachment from sin. And I love the beautiful aspect of our Church and our faith that that Holy Mother Church does not ask us to do something that is impossible. Our Lord does not ask us to do something that is impossible, but I have often said to myself, can I, is it even possible for me to be fully detached from sin, even venial sin, as the conditions for an indulgence so often state. And and you have made it clear, it is possible it requires discipline, it requires prayer, and it requires the sacraments.
2: Yeah, correct. I mean, look at internet pornography, the scourge of the day, right? A multi-billion, that's what the B, a multi-billion dollar industry. Is your vice of internet pornography, I would ask the person, is it is it daily? Because there's obviously an an unhealthy attachment to the internet use that leads you to the sin of internet pornography. Okay, versus you falling into that sin once every three months. I would say that that's not viceful. It's still a bad habit, even at once every three months. That's four times a year. But at least you're on your way to freedom from that habit uh, when compared to somebody who falls into it you know, weekly or daily, there's a big problem there. So we can gradually, gradually have a healthy detachment to things. Again, the Internet, we're Catholic, right? We're, we're, not, we're not Amish, and I don't say that negative against my Amish brothers and sisters. We have several Amish families that live here in South Central Kentucky, right near the Fathers of Mercy, but they'll tell you themselves. They're anti-technology. They will tell you that themselves, okay? We Catholics are not anti-technology. We see the Internet as a beautiful, beautiful invention. Okay? The Internet in and of itself is not intrinsically evil, like abortion or murder or homosexual activity is intrinsically evil. Okay? Fornication, adultery, those things are intrinsically evil. They can never, ever, ever, ever be done. They contravene God's moral law. We would not say that about the glass of wine. that that wine is intrinsically evil. We would not say that about the Internet. We would not say that about the golf game. However, these things can become an evil in the individual person's life if they go unchecked. And you can develop a healthy detachment from these things and use them appropriately. Remember, the glass of wine, the the Internet, the golf game, they are to be used appropriately in the person's life. They signify a goodness, which is um, uh, a way of looking at God's own goodness in my life. These things have made my life easier, like the Internet. God, God wants me to use these things, but in a proper way. And so, yes, we can have a healthy detachment, even for the plenary indulgence, which calls us to be detached from sin, mortal and venial. It doesn't mean, that doctrine on the plenary indulgence does not mean you will never, ever sin again my goodness, you're not the Immaculate Conception. What it does mean is that you do not have an unhealthy attachment to sin at the time of the seeking of the the indulgence. Rather, you have a detachment from sin at the time of the seeking of the indulgence. But it doesn't mean that you'll never sin again. We're we're weak. We're fallen creatures. We'll, We'll sin again, God willing, only venially and not mortally, we'll sin again, but you don't have an unhealthy attachment to the venial sin or to the mortal sin.
0: Wonderful. For, you have opened my eyes, Father, to see this in a whole new way, and for that, I know I'm grateful and I'm sure our listeners are too. We are unfortunately out of time, but could I ask before we conclude, would you offer a prayer or a blessing for our listeners today?
2: Absolutely, Adam. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Descend upon all members of the Covenant Radio Network audience and remain with all of you this day and always, St. Joseph, terror of demons.
0: Pray for us. Prayer for the gift of prudence. Jesus,
2: artful master of parables, your prudence eluded the hypocrites. Your actions were known before creation, displaying all the wisdom of your prudence. Eternity must have attended to minutia being prudent in your best interest. You considered all potential consequences, securing the outcome of your earthly life. Grant me the prudence to always be cautious and sensitive to the
1: basic needs of others. Jesus, you have shown great foresight. Prudence truly originates from your being. Amen. When we talk about
0: grave sin, when we talk about mortal sin, what are the three conditions? We've given them all to you throughout the course of the show today, and if you've been paying attention, you know that for a sin to be a mortal sin, it has to be grave matter, such as missing Mass on Sunday, and you have to know that it's grave matter, which now you cannot claim. You did not know missing Mass on Sunday was grave matter. We've told you twice on the show today, and you have to choose to do it anyway, And those are the three conditions. Now, when I go to confess mortal sins, as Father said, it's so important to confess them in number and kind. I like to confess those first. I've been told it's like a gut punch to the devil because pride, we don't want to admit our biggest mistakes. And he's hoping that we're going to stay prideful and not admit those. And so I just go in and say, you know what? These are the most serious things I'm guilty of. And just get those out of the way first. Uh, I used to try to explain it away or justify it. Bless me, Father, for I've sinned. I've committed this sin. But, you know, here are the circumstances that let. No. Sin is sin. And our Lord is there to offer us absolution through the ministry of the priest. Uh, Confess the sins. Don't try to justify the sins. Confess the sins. We're both the prosecutor and the accused. We have to say, I am guilty of these sins. So go, don't be afraid. Uh, You know, most priests, they live out that maxim of St. John Vianney, be a lion in the pulpit, but a lamb in the confessional. And if it's been a while, tell Father, he will help walk you through it. We're going to go get you the weather here and then the daily dose of encouragement, and then we'll wrap up after this.
1: Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Oh, what consolation, what sweetness, what confidence, what emotion fill my soul when I pronounce thy sacred name, or even only think of thee. I thank God for having given thee, for my good, so sweet, so powerful, so lovely a name. But I will not be content with merely pronouncing thy name. Let my love for thee prompt me ever to hail thee, Mother of Perpetual Help.
0: We are wrapping up what has been a wonderful week here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, praying for our priests. Patty, how are we going to conclude the week together?
3: We're going to conclude it with this word, commit commit. Are you committed to praying for our priests in a tangible, physical way? Not just a a thought maybe at the end of the day or a thought you know, I should pray for a priest. Oh, I'm going to pray for so-and-so or God bless so-and-so. No, where you really drop to your knees, spend time praying for our priests. We can do that again, the tradition of the church. We have the rosary, pray a rosary for the priest. Holy hour, offer a holy hour for our priest. You can give a spiritual bouquet to your priest on his anniversary or on his birthday or for a Christmas present next year. Think about ways to tangibly commit to praying for priests. I mentioned yesterday after daily mass, I dropped to my knees. That's when I want to make sure I'm praying for priests. But another beautiful, beautiful way to pray for priests is on Thursdays. If you want to start, start small. And I would say, Pick Thursday. In your mind, recognize Thursday as a beautiful day to remember our priests. Why Thursday? Because Thursday, on Holy Thursday, it was that day that our Lord instituted the Eucharist. And it was on Holy Thursday that he instituted the priesthood. So perhaps you can commit to a rosary once a week for your pastor on a Thursday. Or commit to saying some extra prayers on a Thursday. Start then. But commit to something. Because our priests... They need our prayers, and it's a beautiful thing to keep our priests in prayer.
0: Not only are we going to pray for our priests today on this Friday, but we're going to get our calendars out and put a reminder in for next Thursday to pray for them each and every Thursday as well. Patty, thank you for this wonderful week here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. You know, one of the things I was just thinking about as we were going through another reminder to pray for our priests this week, and what a beautiful week it has been on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Um, My wife made this comment to me, and sometimes I make this comment to her, that if one one of us has a particularly frustrating day or or something happens, we come home and we say, oh, this happened today, and this happened today, and this happened today. And, And, you know, as a spouse, a loving spouse, we're glad to sit there and listen and to be present to one another. But if, if I'm being honest, sometimes just hearing my wife share everything that has been hard and difficult, you know, puts a little bit of weight on my shoulders, too. And I can only imagine for our priests who faithfully hear so many confessions that it, you, I, I don't know. I'm sure there are special graces through virtue of their ordination. I'm not a priest. I don't know. But it reminds me, well, you know, Father was, Father was faithful and he sat in the confessional to hear my confession. I'm going to pray not only my penance, but I'm going to offer up a prayer for him, too, because it's through his ministry that I've been reconciled back to the church when I've been separated. It's through his ministry that we have the Holy Eucharist. Um, It's through his ministry that he is a conduit of so many forms of actual grace to help keep us in that state of sanctifying grace. Let's say prayers of Thanksgiving each and every day for our priests. So that's the reminder for us. It's Friday. It's not the first Friday, so I'm not going to remind you about doing anything in particular today. But have that plan for this weekend. Don't let it fall apart. Make your plan now. Have everything revolve around when are you going to Mass and do you need to go to confession? And again, I will say it, as I said at the beginning of the show, if it's been a while, come home. Come back. Come back to the Vine. We miss you. We'd love to have you back with us. Don't be afraid. Uh, Don't be afraid to say to Father, it's been a while since I've been to confession. He'll, He'll walk you through it you know, the the important thing is to go. And so have that plan this weekend. Don't forget to take Sunday as a day of rest. We're grateful for all of our first responders and others uh, who have no choice, you know, the doctors, the nurses in the hospital, etc. I'm leaving people out. I feel terrible about this. Um, that Don't get that day of rest. But let's, let's take that Sunday Sabbath as a day of rest after we go to Mass. Enjoy some recreation, some time with friends, loved ones, family, whoever it may be. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son. And to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us, St. Joseph, terror of demons. And today on this March for Life Day, Our Lady of Guadalupe pray for us. She is the defender of the unborn. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please do remember to pray today for everyone witnessing to the dignity of human life, especially of the unborn. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thank you for listening this morning. And until next week, as the Blessed Mother would remind us each and every day, pray your rosary today.